0: This is the Dear Warren Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Dear Warren Podcast highlight episode. Happy New Year, everyone. Here are our highlight moments from our previous 17 guests. Check it out and enjoy.
0: Roy Suter, Episode 1.
1: Wait, are wait, checking you out. We're supposed to be
2: this 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 uh, podcast. We're supposed to have you know reflection towards Warren, right? So, can I maybe give you
1: some parenting advice of what not to do? Well, why wouldn't you? Because but, isn't that what parenting is? <laughs> like, parenting is not only talking about your kid, but it's also telling other parents how to raise their kids as well, too. My brother and I were told from my mother, right, mm-hmm. when we
2: lived when we were toddlers, right, and we were living in the Bronx, right. My grandfather uh, was part owner of a Democratic club. Uh-huh. Right um, This was in Clawson Point, the Bronx, and she would have to go shopping. My father's at work.? You know. My sister was in high school at the time, right? So she would give, ask my grandfather if you'd watch and said, "Sure, bring him to the Democratic Club, right? And supposedly the way that he would watch us was he would each give us a little glass of beer. Wonderful. We're talking like, maybe I'm like one and a half, my, my brother's like three, three yep. and a half, right? This and explains so much, yeah. by the way. Keep going. And then, and, and then yeah, let us each take a, a, a puff of his cigar, right? Because you're the cigar
1: smoker. And we get dizzy and pull Oh, out. God! Yeah. <laughs> so, I get dizzy and almost... I, I, I remember the, the, just a few years ago, I accidentally inhaled a cigar and it like, hit my head on the table from like how strong one hit uh-huh. was. And I'm like 30. And how old were you when you puffed a cigar? I was, a, I was a baby, a toddler. How are you not like? How did you not like spontaneously combust? Well, no. I've been, don't, don't you realize that's why I'm uh, the uh, person I am today? That, t- t- and that's why I said this explains so much. Beautifully broken, you know. <laughs> okay. So anyway, go on. No. Well, so the story is. Don't I'm do that not with Warren. Having more <laughs> <laughs>
2: smoking cigars. No. The, right? And the point I want to make is the point I want to make is really don't let them drink beer at like that age. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why is what walking do this?
0: <laughs> Jason Reddish, episode 2.
3: Look, I know we are all over the place. Did you ever That's hear the fine. tie-in with The Walking Dead? No. And Breaking Bad? Really? This might actually make Dude. me want to watch Walking Dead again.
1: Dude. I started with the first two seasons. There's tie-ins. There's do, tie-ins.
3: Do you remember Are you when? Gonna spoil me right now? No. Because spoiler these, alert, for This, is, be, this in... is
1: behind. This is way. Be... Oh, actually, yeah. No, no spoiler. Do you remember because, Glenn? Because because you got you only get one year, and it's been years since Breaking Bad ended, and
3: probably yeah. A year this is guess. this is this isn't anything so, new. But Glenn, when I think it was season one or season two. Mm-hmm. Do you remember he drove... Yes. The, and I didn't see Breaking Bad. Okay. I've seen... I've been in and out of that. Mm-hmm. But do you remember he drove the Dodge Charger? Yes. Out of the city? No. The son and Breaking Bad had the same car. Number one. Number one tie-in. Oh, geez. Number two tie-in. And this is the tie-in. There's no such thing as Blue Mat. I just realized
1: something. That's not your hair that's really shiny. That's your tinfoil hat right now. No. Nah. 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 No,
3: go. Keep going. All right. So when they found Merle's things uh-huh. on that, uh, I forgot where, I forgot which part of Walking Dead. But long story short, they found Merle's things, and he had like VD medicine, mm-hmm. like syphilis medicine, mm-hmm. and he had dosages of blue meth oh my God. in The Walking Dead. So the universes, those two universes, there's theory that they wrote them out of the same Universe that see, maybe you think your Walking lo- Dead was post Breaking Bad in that uh, world.
1: See, you think you're losing your memory. I think you're just uh, replacing. You're overwriting memories <laughs> yeah, with Breaking Bad slash Walking Dead tie-in conspiracy things. theory. Yeah. I wouldn't say unimportant things to bring it back to, to your point when you were talking about how that there's like Google and everything And there's a lot of technology that there is a modicum of truth to it where there's a lot of overstimulation that probably has you know flashing lights LCD screens. It probably has something to do with memory retention I'm not a doctor, but um, With my I'm not a doctor opinion I would say that there's a lot of things where I, I mean you've heard the one is it, what we call them, urban legends about Albert Einstein like he was a, he was a genius But he couldn't remember his own phone number So when he reached into his pockets, he just had like this disarray of like no spell. Yeah, couldn't spell He just had this disarray of like oh, this is where I live. This is what I have to eat later This is what I have to etc So you could probably say like when you are referencing your phone just like when you're saying like oh I forgot this memory I forgot who did this or I forgot who did that one would argue that that's probably just trivial trivial information that you didn't really need to Store in your mind so you just
3: store it in the cloud or your device or whatever it is, so then you but we have, have three terabytes. Exactly, isn't there enough? What's that? St- we, our brains are three terabytes, they uh-huh.
1: say. So but yeah, but ne- but it, it it should be enough. But now you re- can't you start storing
3: everything that you're interested in. That's a lot of terabytes. It's I might have locked of- it down to two by now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fernando Gomez, episode
0: three.
4: By the way, this article was written with between me and my conference. Uh, the point of this article was when it was written, was it, they asked me what was the best piece of advice I ever received and what how do I apply it to my everyday life? And the quote is, take it. Actually, no, you read it.
1: I want you to read it as like Morgan Freeman, <laughs> as God.
4: Take a deep breath.
1: And let fate take over. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. <laughs> and um, I won't read the entire quote, um, but there's uh, certain points that kind of stuck out. Uh, what, over here, you said, I was always having to be in control of every little detail about life. And it came to the point where I would lose myself to stress and anger because I always, I was always thinking about the next move. I would lose sleep, wouldn't be eating right most of my changes were noticeable to the people close to me. So why don't you, obviously that's just one little sentence, one little statement, but it probably encompasses yeah.
4: so much. It, it so, does. Yeah. Cause, um, so like the, the person you look at now, when you see me compared to the person, I would say like, even last year is a completely different person just because, um, like me, me before, Me before all of this, right now, the senior year of college and things like that. Like I'm, I'm a much more laid back person now because, I, back then I was just so encapsulated by this idea that like I was looking at it from the point of view I had to be looking five years down the road. But then five years turned into ten years, and then ten years turns into fifteen years, and then like I was to the point where I was asking myself, what am I going to be doing when I'm fifty? What am I going to be doing when like when I have to retire and all? And then. All this like all this stuff started consuming me because I started wanting to move too fast instead of slowing it down and looking looking you might, at what's... you
1: might have experienced a midlife crisis a little yeah. too
4: early. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, but um, it was it was just a lot of stress and anxiety over I I guess it was over just the fact of the fact of like this doesn't last forever like this whole you know being a college runner, being a student you know, your life has, life moves on and it moves on fast. And I think it became like very obvious to me, especially last year, because what that quote that I used was said to me by my father actually, he, cause there was one day where I was just, you know, at home and I was like doing, I think I was doing homework or something I remember, and I was freaking out doing the homework. And I was like, and, and he heard me like in my room, like yelling at my laptop. It was an online assignment, I think. And he he walks in and he starts seeing like who, like how I'm how I'm doing, and he starts noticing, cause, cause again, like it, it was true. I was losing sleep, wasn't eating right. Like there would be times I would eat like one meal a day at one point, and then I would be like, okay, I'm 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 not eating for the rest of the day. Like that would be it. And By the way
1: yelling at the laptop is actually a very common occurrence. I think the last <laughs> time we we yelled at the laptop or a digital screen was uh, something Roman Reigns related. <laughs> we'll get, we'll,
5: get, we'll get into that
4: later. But please go on yeah. With, um, yeah. yeah. But we but when he, when he when he walked in and he he started he he sat down on my bed which he never does. This is how I knew like something something was up. And he and he looks at me and he goes, "You're you have to stop this. And I was, and I said, what do you mean? And he goes, all this, like, you know, you're, you're, you're only at the time I was 20, you're only 20 years old. You're only, you're, you're only just now starting to, you know, really experience life, I guess. And, He and when I heard that, I was, I started kind of taking a step back, but then I started telling him, but like, I have to keep doing, I have to keep, I have to keep doing all this, I have to keep going, I have to go full speed ahead, or else I'm not going to accomplish what I need to accomplish. And then he goes, You're going to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And he says and like he says this in really funny, like, You're my son, you're not you're going to do it no matter what. And I was like, mm. that, so that so that right there, like okay, that was like he says that really confidently, so a little when, more. When, when does he use he probably doesn't use that line often? No, does he? he does not. He he, he he great effect. Yeah. Right? He and he when he said, and then he that's when he said, like you need to just step back, you know, like breathe. He he does he the way he did it because the way I, I say the quote and the way he actually did it, he he goes like like that and then he and then he breathes out and then I then like that's him telling me take a deep breath and then he goes he goes and you leave it up to what your plan is and I and I said and I just said like that's him basically telling me leave it to fate and I was and that moment for me made me realize cuz not only not only did I not only did I realize he knew what was happening if he knew that means everyone else knew because He's usually the last to really notice things ah so if he knew that meant my mom knew my sister knew my my girlfriend probably knew my all my friends at, at school probably knew like my best friend who was a teammate of mine that graduated last year he had known for so long he even told me like three times before my dad had even told me like you, you need to you need to slow down you need to breathe you need to stop being so stressed and then that was when I kind of like those two months off from running, that was that wasn't just like just a break for my body. It was also a like a moment for me to you know kind of just take a minute, find myself, regain myself, come back a better person, and that's that's basically the story from that article right there.
0: Bernie Peugeot, episode four.
4: Um, I
6: will say this to warm, and this happens all the time, is that. You will be disappointed by
1: your parents at some point. It happens. Oh, I'm gonna disappoint him like on purpose. But, but oh, I'm gonna mess with that kid so much. But don't. I know. What you're but don't thinking. don't let it
6: disappoint. Don't let it bother you too much. Because hmm. it's 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 every parents are trying their absolute best, and when you get older, it's hard sometimes to see your parents for what they are. It really is. It, it, you're like, because uh, you have this thought process of what it is, then you get older and you see for it what it really is. And then you have to look at the layers below it as to why it became what it did. And then you become even more grateful for who they were and helping you get through the things, knowing exactly how hard it was for them. So be open minded, you know? Be open minded.
0: Adam Peterson, Episode 5.
6: I actually kind an ability. argument with someone in high school about that. Yeah, <laughs> <What was this? laughs> about being a, about that being an art. Like, so. go ahead. It was. I mean, it's not really an argument. I just remember sitting down with someone one time, and they said, they were all like, "Oh, everyone here like is an artist except for you." And I was like, "What do you mean? I, I like to skate and do all this kind of stuff." And like, because nice. they were all they all like drew and they you know, I think uh, they were you know like a few of them like played like like instruments or whatever, and so they were qualified. You know they're all artists. I'm like, no, that's the same thing. Just like, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a just different expression, you and know, we're trying to push the, uh, well, that's
1: not real art. Yeah, 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 art. And I
6: was like, no man, mm-hmm. like
1: it is. <laughs> like, it was funny, but yeah. It, did it, you, did you feel that there was a certain amount? Did, did that make it easier? Or was there, was there any type of linking between the, of thinking of the way, how you approached doing surfing, skateboarding into jujitsu? Well?
6: Oh yeah. Surfing definitely. I think had the biggest influence on any, like a, uh, like the grind you know like i think surfing was where i really learned that surfing and construction obviously was is the real you know the two that got it more than anything to me in my head to be like a hard worker because if you surf big waves and you want to get out there and you want to get out there when it's big in jersey there's no way out like you just got to go right through it you know it's like we don't have channels sometimes there's jetties you can go by but you know, you're, you're stuck in like a washing machine sometimes and you just got to keep your head down and just keep on paddling, keep on paddling. And if you, and when it's big, it's tough in Jersey to get out sometimes and you just have to be able to st- stick it forward. You know, just keep on moving, keep on moving, keep paddling, keep paddling, keep duck diving, keep doing this, keep doing, you know. And I think that grind, you know, like that, that, that got like that into me where you can work physically like that and keep on working, keep on working in jujitsu, like when you're on top trying to pass or just even trying to shrimp, pushing someone away, like just don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. You know, and like I think surfing, you don't really have that as much in skating and snowboarding, you know, like... Okay. You have to work a lot harder in surfing, you know, like, s- skating. You know, skating, you, you, you are, you're pushing around, you're, like, in the park, you know, you're definitely going to get tired, and, like, your feet are killing you at the end of the day, or if you're just doing street skating, you know, like, whatever it is, you're going to be tired. Snowboarding, you're always beat up, but, like, a lift's taking you up, and then you're riding down a hill, you know, like, it's... it's you're coasting a little bit. <laughs> you know, like, I hiked a lot when I snowboarded. That was, like, one of my, like just hiking jumps like you'd go to a snowboard park and you'd see a jump and you'd like it so you hit it and you'd unstrap it instead of going all the way down just hike that jump all day or like hike ridge lines so i mean there are aspects of it but on an overall consistent basis surfing was definitely like that where where, where you where i well at least i did started to like develop that mentality and it's the one where you're most likely to die too, you know,
1: like, mm. you know, like
6: it's, there's
1: a certain mindset you have to have in order to go into it. Like, yeah, you know, Jesus like, Christ, at any second. Yeah,
6: like big waves, you know. There's a, if you get like you know bonked on the head or something on the, re, you know, oh, like this thing things can happen. You know, it, it's 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 not a rarity or it's not like a commonplace, you know, but it can happen. So it's just like all that is in your mind too, you know, like when you're out there. So it's like you're always so you always have to stay focused too, you know. So I think more than anything, I think that had like the biggest influence on me, like, or not, you know, correlation to, you know, into jiu-jitsu with my mindset of, you know, just what I try to be, or at least, you know, not that I always do, but at least try to have that kind of mindset.
1: Before, um, when we were going to, on, on our honeymoon to Hawaii, we were thinking about going surfing. And as I was, you know, doing initial research, as you should always <laughs> say, before going into surfing, I, I read about uh, kind of like these surf parks in California, I'm not sure if you were there, but it's kind of like a generated wave machine. Oh, really? Where you could, it's. It, I have no, you, I've you never could, done that. You've this. never done that? Only at like the
6: Mandalay Bay. I don't know if you've been. To, no. Have you, have you ever been? To, you've been. To, have you been to Vegas? No. No. There's. Uh, it's. The Mandalay Bay has like a stupid wave pool. They can like yeah. say <laughs> it's not like, it's not like a real wave though. I mean, you can like body surf it a little bit, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, that's, I think that's the only time I've been in an actual like wave generated,
1: you know, pool. Because you, you brought up a very interesting point with the surfing that it wasn't the actual, you know, the, the, the surf part I'm sorry if I'm using the wrong terminology here. Obviously, this shows my uh, lack of knowledge in the air. So feel free to correct me on this. I don't don't even know the correct terminology for stuff. But but the actual, as you said, the grind where you're paddling and trying to find and just getting uh, diving through, flipping over, getting waves crashed into you before you finally catch that wave. If you took away that part and you only have the surfing part. Yeah. Does it it basically become like, as you said, skateboarding? Yeah. It's like snowboarding. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it's like the same thing, right? Like it's just, you're just,
6: something takes you and puts you to the fun part of it. You know, you Mm. don't have to work to get to the fun part, you know, it's
1: just, so you think that that actually takes away a little bit of the spirit of of surfing? Definitely. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I definitely think so.
0: Karen Peterson, episode six.
1: What do you say to that? Um, you hear that principle. Oh, uh, in, in, in jiu-jitsu, uh, especially no strength or something. I remember, like, some code, oh, no strength, no oh, strength. Oh, I hate that. It drives
7: me crazy.
1: <laughs> Please go
7: on. So, I mean, you can't do jiu-jitsu without using strength. And it, I feel like it's almost, like, this gimmick to, like...
1: Like a selling point?
7: Yeah, like...
1: The soft art.
7: Because, I mean, they did it to me, like, you know coming into jiu-jitsu you don't have to be bigger you don't have to be stronger it's technique it's the technique that makes you better which in a way is true but also like when I roll with you or I roll with Adam I'm using a lot of fucking strength you know or if I roll with Keon or one of those two guys at our gym who's 200 plus pounds or Mario. You got some big boys I'm, in our gym. Yeah. I'm going to be using a lot of strength. It's mm-hmm. not just this like magical technique that I have. I have to also be very strong, you know? Um, and that like idea, like, <sighs> telling somebody not to use strength I think is a really bad idea I think that what they probably mean to tell somebody is control yourself or something you know like control yourself slow yourself down You're not actually doing jujitsu, you're just going crazy, spazzing around, (laughs) yeah. Mm -hmm. But they say, like, no strength, no strength. And I mean, then there's also the aspect of like no strength and training with women that drives me crazy, also. Like, um, you know, you hear a lot like men, like men being told, like, are thinking, like don't use a lot of strength with this person because they're a woman. Take it easy. Yeah. Take it easy. But three
1: words that I'm sure you love to hear.
7: Yeah. (laughs) But that's like, that's bullshit. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't just start and end with, how you train with women like if somebody comes into your gym and they're brand new you should pull pull back Mm -hmm. you know if somebody if you're training with somebody who you weigh 80 pounds more than you should pull back Mm -hmm. you know you should pull the intensity back whether they're a man or a woman you know like jujitsu as you get better that is definitely something you have to develop is knowing how to train with all different people. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to train the same way with every single person. And, um, but this huge focus gets put on like how men should train with women. And it just creates this dynamic of like the women needing, Your help you know like they need they need extra from everybody but they don't women who come in and do jujitsu and if they stick with jujitsu they do it for the same reasons that everyone else does you know and they should be treated just like everybody else as far as training partners you Mm. know um so yeah all in all the no strength thing drives me crazy. <laughs> Peyton Stites, episode
0: seven.
8: People already got their kids on leashes at the airports. And, you know, I work in Manhattan. So I see these mothers walking around with leashes on their kids all the time. It blows my mind.
1: How, I saw that the other day. It's, a, it, it's disguised as a backpack. That's yes, what they do.
8: Yes. And with like an animal on it. Mm-hmm. It's always like an animal backpack mm-hmm. of some kind. Can
1: you imagine the Amazon reviews for that? <laughs> Johnny five, didn't get hit by a bus today Because of this leash A five star review, five I, love, star review. I love how this child or, is even attached worse,
8: to me What's the one star review The leash broke and Johnny did get hit by the bus <laughs> are, are you, are you did, Yeah Jesus yeah, that got dark for a minute there. It did. But, but to I mean, be think fair. About it, you a, what the hell is a one-star Google review on one of those things? It had to have been a terrible experience. <laughs> you know, like, What else would it be? It did not extend the way I thought it would. People it, yeah. laughed at me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I got mocked and
1: laughed at all around the airport. wearing. What the fuck did you think? You had your kid on goddamn leash. <laughs> to be fair, though. I, 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 As soon as I saw the kid moving around, I'm like, all right, yeah, that kid needed a leash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, I, I feel for you, Mom. Well, again, you know, bringing it back to snowboarding. Or dads.
9: I've, I've seen, seen these it, on the
8: mountain for a long time. Le- but with kids on leashes? Oh, yeah, yeah. But it actually makes sense because oh, oh, when you're talking cause about cause skis especially, yes. you know, you basically put it around them in like a harness style. And then as they go, you can control that, you know, their speed for them. because I just uh, had you can't the the image the kid of a kid like, control the speed. A kid is going to be like, faster, faster, faster. And you're like, you don't know how to turn yet.
1: <laughs> I just had the image of a kid going off a and I'm like, I'm flying. Oh, dude. Like in That's, air, that's a very real then. thing.
8: Actually, you know, one really? of the more dangerous things that you see in snowboarding all the time is, you know, so you have a jump, right? You have a lip a space, and then a landing. So from the jump, looking at the jump, you can't really see the landing ever. That's why they always say, you Mm. know, you got to spot it before you hit it. Go over and ride past, look before you leap kind of thing, you know. So you kind of know your speed and trajectory and everything. But it's blind usually. 90% of the time, most jumps are blind landings. You're not going to see the... the, so The improvisation comes into play. I can't tell you how many times I've been midair in a jump, and there's some little kid with his dad and they're just skiing along on the landing of the jump. Dude, I've seen kids get plowed into and I've hit a kid before you know and actually I probably hit a kid every single winter. It sounds like some Jackie Chan type of stunt. Dude, and it's it's terrifying because a snowboard has literally like razor blade edges on the sides of it you know, I mean that's how it cuts through the snow and that's what it does. So you can really like, you can mess someone up bad if you hit them the wrong way and it's heavy, you have all your weight and the momentum and you know (laughs) everything from the jump that you're doing. Are you confessing to a
1: decapitation
8: of a kid right now on the podcast? But I've definitely smacked the shit out of some kids with my Ah. snowboard by accident. But they had the helmets on, right? Yeah, dude, but I'll tell you one thing I did see. That was probably one of the gnarliest things I've ever seen in my life was you know, um, leashes aren't so big anymore, but people used to all wear leashes on their snowboard which is where Mm -hmm. you would attach it to the binding and then it would attach either to your boot or your leg itself because this way if god forbid anything happened the snowboard would never get away from you now Mm -hmm. you're usually ratcheted in real tight and this and that but they used to have these things i guess they still do but i I don't know if anyone really uses them anymore we're called step-in bindings right Mm -hmm. where you'd pop in to almost like skis style you know you like pop in pop in kick down and then you're in so Dude, one time at Mountain Creek, I'll never forget this. We were going down and you just see all, all the time you'll see this other dumb move. People laying on their back, hands behind their head, staring mm-hmm. up at the
1: sky, just I appreciate stuff. how you're trying to uh, you know, show me it's and pantomime so it. The audience has no hair. idea what you're doing right. He's leaning back in the chair. this guy has arms above
8: his head. Yeah, but you can you can imagine, back. right? So just imagine somebody laying on their back, knees up, snowboard attached it, to the right feet, ahead. staring up at the sky, <laughs> just thanking God what a beautiful day it is. And so this person is doing exactly that. They're sitting there just like that. And then we look up the hill and we see exactly what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Somebody without a leash had a runaway board. Board somehow got away from them. They probably stopped to like tie their boot or did something weird, whatever. Board got away from him, started going downhill. And you're watching this just like you know, a, a, a slow motion train wreck. You know something bad is about to happen. And the board's just coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down. What? Wow. Right into the back of this guy's head, no helmet on. Ooh. Literally, and I mean, I, I don't know how fast the snowboard was going, but I would imagine probably at least 50, 60 miles an hour coming down the mountain straight. Snowboard's into got the a back. little weight to it, too, just on its own. Yeah. Right into the back a, of this person's head. a projectile it, at that point. Dude, this thing opened up like the levees at Katrina, man. This thing just opened up and blood pouring out. It was just so right away, you know, we go down, get ski patrol, and pff, I, I still I have no idea what happened to that person, but that was terrifying to watch. Jesus, man. Yeah. And sadly, that's not really like an uncommon thing, you know? You think the guy had
1: a one-star review of his leash then? <laughs> See? Exactly. And that is how you get one-star reviews. On Amazon for, for leashes, for snowboards and for your kids. Yeah. So the, the, the lesson, Warren, I don't know if we'll ever put you on a leash. I mean, we got a couple of Hobbs's leashes that are pretty good. Hobbs is our dog. <laughs> Please don't do that to your son.
0: Ben, Bed and Bender, Episode 8.
1: Do you see anything in, in the current education or the way it goes or in, in the past where they've attempted to either uh, discourage that or are they moving towards that or have they n- realized that type of intelligence as, as well
10: too and cater to it what are you what are you seeing these you're talking days? about like in their schools and yeah. things uh, you know the, our, our schools are I think I think they, they do a good job it's it's really a challenge you know as much as and and listen we we, we spent um, years advocating for um, Uh, a better more defined uh gifted and talented program Mm. uh and you know we we've uh along with a lot of other parents in town feel like you know there are some kids where you want to you know you don't want them to just kind of go up to the edge of what they're teaching everyone else you want to challenge them and push them i mean they you know the I, I always compare it to sports, right? So uh, there's no one in their right mind who would argue that the way to develop like a really top-notch football program or basketball program or, or tennis or volleyball program would be to... Uh, go up to the point of challenging the kids where most of them did okay and then stop there Mm -hmm. and, and really just sort of ask the kids who were capable of doing a lot more to just sort of hold back. Right. It's insane. Right. We, we, we automatically separate out the, the more gifted athletes, the more skillful athletes, and we give them additional challenge. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then they become better and better. And we probably go through several levels of sort of, you know, uh, uh, separating out the more successful and and putting them up against even higher levels of competition until, you know, we've we've kind of had that sort of crucible effect. Right. We've separated the gold right from the from the base metals And uh, it, it, it's no different with with, um, I think, academics that uh, the I think the uh, truth of it is is that our public school systems we don't have the same mechanism for for doing that that we do in some of our athletic programs because I mean athletic programs aren't mandated for everybody uh, academics are right so it's a long-winded way of saying that I think our schools actually do an excellent job of giving a good foundational education to all the students uh, they provide some additional programs, and, you know, uh, my son and my my daughter have both benefited from some of the really cool things that they've done that they make available for kids who want to sort of go further. But uh, the, the, I, I would say that the way Felice and I view it is that there's a certain point where uh, you can't ask the schools to do all that. I mean, I, really... In a perfect world, and I know in some countries, you know, you look at Finland and you look at, you know, South Korea and you say, well, they're doing it there. They're challenging them there. They are, but that they, they have the infrastructure. They have the educational infrastructure. I don't think it's fair to turn to, you know, the schools as they're currently configured and say, just do more, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got to give, you, you, you have to commit to that as a society. And it's, it's not fair to blame it all on them. But what you really can do is... Um, you can find that at home, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it can be music, it can be the arts, it can be, you know, just creating uh, an environment where, uh, you know, reading isn't optional, you know, you, you, you require a certain amount of reading that goes you know, beyond what they, they ask for in school. And I mean, uh, you know, we'll, we will pick books that, that meant a lot to us at, at, you know at about the same age as my kids and we'll we will ask them to to read those books and then we'll talk about them They write they paint right they, they, they we have a lot of things that we we have them do um, is, is that better or worse than getting it in school? I don't know, but I, I do know that um, it, when I Kind of look at the lessons of my life I would say probably more of them were learned at my parents dinner table than were learned in school you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, and I got a lot out of school, but I got a lot from from interacting with, you know, two very bright engaged people who were also very interested in my development. And, it, you know, I, as, as mentioned to you before we sat down here today, the very fact, the very fact that you're doing what you're doing, you guys. And I mean, we knew this going in about the two of you, but we you're already those kinds of parents. Right. Mm-hmm. You're you're looking to. Uh, inform and challenge and engage your son, and just your desire to do that is going to have probably as much of an impact on the person he ultimately becomes, and it will be just as informative of those life lessons that he keeps going back to as anything he's going to learn in school.
0: Michael Whitmire, Episode 9.
11: But, um, you know, two weeks ago it, it, it happened for me, everything fell into place, and um, you know, the first thing I did is I got on my hands and knees, put my hand, um, you know, on, on the on the chest of the deer and um, and said a prayer and thank you. And it's just a lot of hard work. And uh, I felt like it was an it's offering. Cu- it was an accumulation of like two years, right? Yeah, dude, hundreds of hours. I was actually counting up the hours, so I don't want to be like exaggerating, but like I counted up the hours the other day of like an estimate of how many hours I think it took to get my first deer. And, how long? I'm I'm approaching 175 hours of actually sitting in the woods. That's not counting the scouting. (laughs) Um, You know, it may have happened faster for me if I had friends that were bow hunters because Uh I did this all on my own. I didn't know what I was doing. I made tons of mistakes and I still am making mistakes. I'm still just totally green at this. Um, so if I had been with a group of guys that taught me how to bow hunt, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I wouldn't have spent 175 hours. Um, but, but what made you do it this way as opposed to, I, you know, I like to do things the hard way. I don't know. Uh, you know, I just didn't know anybody that bow hunted, you know, I was, I was asking around and and everyone's like, what are you crazy? You know, Mm -hmm. like I don't do that. And, um. So, I just, you know, thank God for YouTube. I just started learning and, like, hmm. come home from jujitsu And, like, a lot of times, like, I'll watch, you know, jujitsu. Um, that's like like, Mike got me into, uh, like, after class, I come home and just watch World Championship black belt matches, you know, uh-huh. just to get it ingrained, you know, yeah. just to see their movement and, like, just fall asleep with that in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I sort of replaced that with, like, watching deer, like, how to hunt deer, how to track them and that's the thing you can't just go in the woods and like hope a deer is going to walk past you you know there's um you have to find them and know where they're living and know where they're feeding and um that's that's not counted toward the 175 hours of sitting up there so that's all summer long going for hikes and say you know Hey honey, we're gonna go for a hike today and look for deer. <laughs> and oh, thank God, my wife is you know yeah. so into that; she's been super supportive. Uh-huh. Um, thankfully, um, you know, she's she's supported it the whole way.
1: It's 175 hours, so yeah, of course. Uh, that's uh, Jess. That's more hours than you've spent playing Stardew Valley. I just want to, you know, <laughs> and uh, a lot of you gamers out there, I'm pretty sure you only invested 100 hours into a game. Well, I don't know
0: keon parker episode 10.
1: when i was
12: away from home from uh, college i would like try to learn how to cook and yeah. that was like the only time yeah. i would use youtube and stuff like that and for the tie too as well but i can't really remember any like super crazy like outlandish rabbit holes but i i have a good idea of what you're talking about as far as the youtube and like clicking videos clicking yes. videos and then going through what, the what happened hole.
1: with learning how to tie a tie um it worked
12: out pretty good i mean after a while like i kept like realizing that i can't watch the video like right before <laughs> i have to go somewhere like i gotta you know tie the tie the tie like you my know, internet like, connection's slow god yeah, damn it yeah, come yeah, on yeah. <laughs> so i remember there would be sometimes like um the, well, when I was a freshman down in North Carolina, we would have a uh, It was like I forgot we, we had to dress up in like blazers and mm-hmm. like ties or whatever So I was just like man in high school. I didn't really wear a tie We wear like clip-ons for football Fridays, or whatever. Yeah So like I was like, oh snap, like I forgot how to tie a tie and I'm like, Keon, You really don't know how to tie a tie. So I was just like, oh, let me type on
5: YouTube
12: <laughs>
1: I was like, <laughs> I, forget, I forgot, no, I didn't really know the first one. Yeah,
12: like, you know what I'm like, like, That's good. Keon, get yourself together, go on YouTube, <laughs> and I will look up How to Tie Tie, and it will be times where, like, I would be like, man, like, I can't believe myself right now. I'm on YouTube looking up How to Tie Tie, but, I mean. Well, at least you admitted
1: to yourself yeah, 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 that, like, yeah, yeah. I, I never I, forgot. Yeah, right? I really just didn't like, know in the first place.
0: Sean Gordley, episode 11.
5: But he takes me to the basement and it, it, you have the basement and then the portion of the basement was the coal bin mm. and in the basement when I'm six years old this coal bin was spare bike parts Ooh! and my mother had uh-huh. eight siblings and They lived in that house their entire lives and there are spare bike parts everywhere and my Uncle Jeff basically built my first bike. I, I felt like we built wow. it together. I remember, wow. going, I remember going to Kmart and picking up like a, Jeez, you know, an inner man. tube, things like that. And we built this bike from, you know, relative yeah, scratch, yeah, yeah. you know, reclaimed parts. We built the first bike I ever sat on and went to the back alley. And while well, my dad's in Florida, you know, my dad left, uh, you know, three years prior and I'm six and my uncle Jeff is in the back alley he pushing me. down. My mom's even around, by the way. My mother, his his older sister, is not even around. And by the uh, rickety basketball hoop in the back alley, that he taught me how to play basketball as well. Jesus, he's pushing me that's down. Awesome. Yeah, he's pushing me oh down the God. alley, and I learned how to ride my first bike. Um, Your own custom made bike. My as own well custom bike. Jesus and Again, Christ. at the time, I was like, I built this thing. I, look, looking back, I know I didn't build it. He built it. But he sat there with me as it was being built. He was a uh, hell he's only 16. He felt like he was like 25 you know at the time you, you know
1: what you know what yeah. uh, Jess and I saw in the park last week. When we were walking our dog, we saw a kid probably around what what age you were talking about, like six or eight, with his own mini ATV. (laughs) And I looked at him with with, I was like, Uh, "You mother!" And then and then I I was thinking, I'm like, "Where does that kid? Where do you go from there?" As far as a uh, gift, yeah, come on, you
5: know what I mean. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, that's that's, a whole different tangent. It is a different tangent, but that's awesome. But to Um, sum that whole thing up, mm -hmm. and and probably to wrap up this entire you know sports conversation is. I saw the passion that Uncle Jeff and Uncle Gerard had towards the Cincinnati Reds, Cincinnati Bengals, mm. the Dayton Flyers, uh, who we talked about earlier. And it naturally became my team's, and I felt like it was life. I lived and died with every game, with every box score. I kept newspaper clippings. I had you know posters on the walls, all that. And uh, that passion did stick. Uh, and it still sticks at some level now, um, years, many years later. Uh, but... Definitely when I was in my early 20s, and, and my son was born when I was 22 years old, and mm-hmm. he felt that and saw that. Uh, I never once said, you need to be a fan of this team, a fan of that team. But to think, growing up in Southwest Ohio, mm-hmm. moving to the D.C. metro area in 2000 with a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and then sitting on the couch in, let's say, the heyday of the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash in the mid-2000s, and my kids at one point turning to me saying, Dad, thank you for making us Phoenix Suns fans. That seems like what? such that feels like wow. such feels like what? such a improbable path to uh-huh. that conversation. Like yeah. now they're happy to be Phoenix Suns and they're dedicated Phoenix Suns fans. They've never been to Arizona. Mm-hmm. They don't understand why I well they I late, they later understood why I became a, a Phoenix Suns fan. It was short story, it ties back to a, a specific Dayton Flyers mm-hmm. player. So yeah, uh, to hear them say that was so surreal. Like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even a proud moment. It was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. We're on the East Coast. Yes, I grew up in the Midwest, and they're hardcore Suns fan and thanking me for being a Phoenix Suns fan. It's just interesting roundabout way that how do you become a sports fan and what that means with your kids and and it's just crazy. So,
13: Amy Whitmire, episode twelve. So this this um, responsibility to know oneself and know how mm. one's energy works um
1: yeah, what I think, think, think it's important to go into that too because I did go uh, and see some of your videos prior of your work I'm not gonna get sweet. too too deep into yeah, it tell but, me there, what w- you sense. but it was uh, the, the one uh, where you did talk about introversion Yes, and I think it, it helps if you uh, for those who have a very surface level view yeah. of introversion to yeah. kind of go into that and describe What that is? Yeah,
13: like. yeah, so I'm not gonna attempt to do it in any sort of um, Institutional way that mm-hmm. could like really break down like introvert extrovert and then people can be like like an introvert this, but an extra, like yes. aspects, right? I forget yep. all those terms. But I just use the word as a kind of overarching word to understand someone's nature that is more extroverted mm-hmm. versus more introverted. And the basic um, philosophy that I shared on my other video from my sister series, I think mm-hmm. you pulled that off of, Um is how we regenerate energy. So my energy is is a big part of my essence, and I'm very close to it, and so I have to be very um, diligent to monitor my energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my energy gets depleted when I am outputting. And it gets regenerated when I am more insular, more internal. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of my work very internally. There's a whole lot lot going on when I look like I'm doing nothing. (laughs) And so if I were to engage in so-called normal things, like people ask me all the time, let's go out, let's go here, let's go there, girls night out. And I'm like you and everyone else, I'm sorry to break it to you, I don't do it. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. Because my energy doesn't operate that way. Mm -hmm. I show up of sacred service all all day, every day to myself first, my family, my dog, my clients, all the women that I work with and come evening, it is time to go into Amy's world, retreat, regenerate, get quiet and, and, and gear up for what I'm going to do again. Cause sometimes I do it seven days a week. Like this week has been a seven day a week. Uh, uh, this is the seventh day and, and I thank only...
1: you for, for making it out here as well too.
0: Mario Hamblin Jr. Episode 13.
9: I just put hours on hours on hours into it. Like, I got every special gun. I defeated every raid boss. Just did all these things, like... And now I can't, I don't do that. Like, I beat Borderlands 2, I beat the pre sequel, I did all these things, but I can never put that much time yeah. into another yep. video game like that. Like, it's terrible. I have at least three video games at my house that I haven't, two of them I haven't played, and the other one I haven't mm-hmm. finished. And I'm known for 100%ing video games in a weekend. That's not something wow. I can, I would 100% video wow. games. That's the, my mom told me, she was like, completionist. Completionist. Because, because when I was a kid, my mom, single parent, was like, oh, I can't get you all these games, or you're not going to Blockbuster every time. You know what? You'll go if you finish this game. So i beat mean, be, <gasps> and she'd be like, well, it says right there, it's 86%. What didn't you do? So I'd go back and do 100. So you fuck? know what? Really? Yeah. That's awesome. So I was like, that's smart, mom. So you know what I do now? I 100% all the video games all wow. the time now. So what are you going to do? <laughs> can't wow. say anything. I beat a 100%, 100% because you, you needed that as currency to get the next game. Every time. Wow. Yeah. So I did that for like Mortal Kombat and stuff and like Tekken and Street Fighter and like all these other, I was, Mortal Kombat. If she was was smart, she would have hooked you up with a Final Fantasy game. You'd still be playing it. I would.
1: (laughs) Final (laughs) Fantasy VII. Yeah. (laughs) Never. Good luck trying to get 100% on that. Jesus. I'm not picking that up.
0: (laughs) Jackie Rinaldi, episode 14.
14: If I sneezed, if I coughed, I, growing up, I was afraid to cough in front of my mother mm-hmm. because if I cough, she'd immediately be like, you're going to get sick. And she'd throw elderberry seed down my throat. Now, elderberry seed is, elderberry is a, it's a berry. Sometimes mm-hmm. you see it in like kombucha or okay. other drinks. Okay. And it's, again, it's a, I don't know, like an antioxidant, but also can be immune builder. Mm. And... In the past, like when I took it when I was younger, it was heavily alcohol-ladied. Like I, uh. when I, when I would take it, you'd take like a little shot glass of it. My mom would give it to me. I felt like I was drinking a shot of vodka. It was horrible. And my mom was like, just take it. It's good for you, you know. I hated it growing up. They've improved it. Let me just say this. this the alcohol much no- or the elderberry? Yeah, the <laughs> elderberry. It doesn't... Because I give it to my daughter, too. Okay. So um, the other thing that they have out there is it's called Indian cough syrup for kids. Mm-hmm. And it's like the elderberry, but... It's just like this syrupy, like you would take your Robitussin or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a syrup, and you can take it. and I give it to Charlie whenever she's coughing, morning and night, just to kind of help with the cough, ease the cough. But you can also take it again at the first sign of. Oh, this a is sniffle. for the adults as well too. Yes, there's adult versions too. Okay, um, you can take it at the first sign of a. Like a cold, this first sniffle, the first... Or if you see that Warren's got it or Jess mm-hmm. has got it and you're like, nah, I don't want it. You just take that and it is a huge immune builder. That's
1: now, how is the taste of it? Because that's a, that was always a big thing with kids. I'm yes. Just like, okay. So,
14: Charlie... Charlie like licks the inside of the cup. What? (laughs) So gross. (laughs) Charlie's she loves it. She loves it. (laughs) She absolutely loves. She's like, "Mommy, cough syrup." And I'm like, (laughs) I like don't want her to love it, but I'm also like, "No, you have to have this. Like, you have to take it." So she loves it. I don't. Mm. It is not because I think it because it has bad memories. Like it brings me kind of back, even though it's so much better than when I was like a little kid. So much better but elderberry so elderberry is a little strong but remember you're only taking a little like 10 milliliters it's not a lot you know and umka is another one umka has a sweeter flavor but umka is one that you can take at the first sign of a cold whereas elderberry you can kind of continuously take if you want to just boost your immune mm-hmm. How am I doing here? Am I you're still? Doing,
1: you're doing very. I think everyone is is <laughs> it, is writing it down right now, or will be replaying this when they're in the CVS. Do it and 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 going over their shopping lists. Yeah. So and that, and that's it. These and are your these go-to's. Are, yeah.
14: And ZyCam. <laughs> the only thing I will say as a side note, if you do, because I think on the. It says mm-hmm. you can take it up to three days continuously like every three hours It can play with your taste buds. So oh. I've done that before where I what do you f- mean
1: by play with them
14: It can kind of dull them okay to the point where you can't taste things if you're taking it Every three hours for oh. three days straight uh, I remember doing that because I really was like I do not want to get sick I do not want and I felt I was right there mm-hmm. like on the edge. So I kept taking it like at that third day I felt like your tastes are off. Certain Mm. things maybe taste a little metallic. They might taste... So zinc has that that effect on the palate, but you probably, if you start it right when you feel a little sick, you probably won't have to take it for three days. Mm -hmm. So that's the... That's a catch. And if it's, that starts to happen, you have to stop taking it. Mm. Just stop taking the, the, zinc, the Zycam. And
1: so when things start tasting like pennies and everything, <laughs> just stopped, <laughs> stop doing it. Yeah, right?
14: don't just don't take it. Take it
1: too much, folks. Too there's, much? Your, there's your uh, barometer yeah. of too much zinc. <laughs>
14: when you're tasting metal, you're
15: like,
0: and I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to tap out of that. Pasquale Rinaldi, episode 15. Um, I've
15: I've done some thinking, and uh, this is backed up, of course, by the infamous uh, machete order. Uh, The Phantom Menace adds zero to the entire story, so I pretend like it doesn't exist. uh,
1: What's the machete order, for those who are unfamiliar with that? The machete order is the idea that
15: the best way to watch, assuming that you've never seen Star Wars, the best way to watch them is starting with episode four, where you learn about Luke, episode 5 which is the empire strikes back where you get the whole build up you get the camaraderie between uh, you know the entire team and it ends on kind of a downturn you don't know what's going to happen to han solo um, you know you, it's just there's a lot that's unclear and then instead of going to return of the jedi you go to episode 2 attack of the clones and oh. so you sort of park the luke story at its height and you go back and you say okay now here's Anakin, and like I said, the idea is that the Phantom Menace ultimately adds nothing because Qui-Gon dies. <laughs> Darth Maul, who's a really, in my opinion, this is a total, totally different subject, but he's a big missed opportunity. He dies. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- w- there's not a lot added there. Um, so, but y- 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 well, what about the introduction of George Jar, Jar Binks, man? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the idea is you you you, know, you, you go to the uh, uh, Attack of the Clones. And then you watch um, <coughs> Revenge of the Sith, episode three, and you get the backstory of Anakin. Uh-huh. So now you're left w- you know, coming to, into Return of the Jedi, unclear about um, much of what's going on with our heroes, and um, very clear on where Darth Vader came from. And then uh, you watch Return of the Jedi. And then, it up. <coughs> yeah, and then the. Um, I don't know how exactly how they've updated it with the new movies, but I I would say uh, that still stands, and you probably would then maybe want to watch uh, *The and Force you Awakens* in *Rogue One*.
0: Erica Salerno,
16: episode sixteen. Yeah, so I my specific role at the UN, um, I was always interested within all of like the. Cataclysm of things that I'm interested in. I was always interested in like women's rights, like in in in, in the context of my undergrad degree. I always wrote wrote my thesis. Excuse me. and um, just different papers. I was always researching women's rights, rights of women and girls and children. And so that was something that was really cool to me. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I ended up getting hired as a consultant with the UN, um, I was working at a, uh, it was called the commission on legal empowerment of the poor. Mm -hmm. And it just focused on the fact that a lot of people in the developing world um, live outside the rule of law. Like they don't have a legal identity. They're born in a village where they're not issued a birth certificate. Um, They don't have access to capital. They don't have a credit card. No one will give them a loan because they don't theoretically exist, you know? Um, so how can you get a loan if you don't have identity, you can't build, um, a career. You can't build a future. You can't really do anything except exist in this informal way. Um, and one of the main casualties in this was women because, Mm -hmm. um, they had no recourse for things like domestic abuse, for sexual assault. Mm -hmm. They're living in these like shadow communities, um, where they don't really understand their rights. They maybe have never, you know, um, been in contact with, like, the formal legal system. So, you know, we talked about a lot about villages in Africa, places in... Um, like remote parts of, of the Middle East and Asia and things like that. Um, and even in South Africa and um, like the outskirts of like Cape Town, like there are people who don't have access to credit cards. Like they don't have their birth registered. So all this kind of thing like tied into like this whole larger issue of like women's rights, which I was very interested mm-hmm. in and how to protect the most vulnerable people in our society and societies overseas. And um, one of the things that I did do within my job was to coordinate these working group meetings of um, different nonprofit leaders, um, international organizations, political leaders, uh, advocates, activists. And so we would have these working groups where they would mm-hmm. come into the UN and my boss that I worked under would you know, to kind of direct the conversation and have them go out into the field in their own countries and bring back information so we could figure out how to generate um, like a plan or an agenda mm-hmm. to help all these people get access to legal rights. And so during one of these meetings, it was my job to kind of like schedule all the flights. So I'm in the bathroom at the United Nations. I'm just like, you know, washing my hands in like the women's bathroom downstairs by like the Vienna cafe. And like one of the women that we had, um, brought over to participate in this, summit was um Sharina Body who is a women's rights advocate from Iran and she's just gotten all these accolades and I was like didn't realize but she was in the bathroom and she came out to wash her hands and I was like oh my god I'm washing my hands next to this lady she's like you know the whatever I'm trying to think of a celebrity off the top of my head, you know? It's like being next Sorry. to, like, Lady Gaga of, like, you know, women's rights, right? So I'm just like, oh, my God, we're in the bathroom together, whatever. I'm like, I booked your flight. And she's like, oh, thank you. I got here on time. i like, okay. And then she was like, you know, you seem like a smart girl. She's like, the real way to make a difference in the world is to become a lawyer. And she's like, and so you should think about wow. what you're going to do. He, she's like, because, you know, at the U.N., wow. it's nice to have thoughts, but you can't change anything unless you can you know advocate and to advocate you know you should be a lawyer and that was kind of her advice and i just sat with it for a little while and then i think two weeks later i ended up logging into like the lsat webpage and took a free demo lsat and did okay and then from there the rest is history jessica silla paswan warren's
0: announce table episode two Uh, Okay, so good story in daycare today. I walk in there's like a little you know room between the doors so that they can buzz you in and they have sort of all these alerts or, or papers that you can read as parents while you're signing the kid in and out and you know, the latest flyer for yesterday for Halloween was you know, beware of marijuana edibles because your kids could accidentally eat edibles If someone accidentally gave it to them.
1: Now you have the job, since you mentioned it, of explaining marijuana to Warren.
0: Go. Oh, that's not hard at all. (laughs) Um, Have you ever played Super Mario Brothers? Oh. And you know where there's... is, Is Yoshi a dinosaur?
1: I believe so. I don't know where you're going with this, but keep going. This is going to be amazing.
0: So Yoshi has a saddle. You can ride a dinosaur. Also, you can... Eat mushrooms to get bigger and smaller. Granted, <laughs> mushrooms are another drug that we'll go over. Um, we'll first read Alice in Wonderland, and then we can move on to Mario Brothers. Um, and there are, you know, clouds that talk to you or electrocute you or throw shells. What do the clouds do? The third one.
1: But actually, I think at some point they do talk. I don't... But keep going. This is great. So...
0: Drugs are like that.
1: I didn't say drugs, I said marijuana. Oh,
0: marijuana? (laughs) Marijuana.
1: (laughs) And you tried to use Warner Brothers to explain all the drugs.
0: I got pretty far. I think I can you keep did. going. Uh, when you, you know, oh. when you have, you know, you get the speed boost and you run really fast. Oh, yeah. What is that, hon? Is that coffee? <laughs> <laughs> that could be coffee. That could be coffee. Um, I feel like, I feel like when you go to like the star world, it has to be like some, DMT, ayahuasca stuff Some there. Some psychedelics. Some psychedelics. Now you're LSD, gonna have to explain Molly.
1: every single one of. The, oh, anyway, your your mom tried her best. Drugs exp- drugs
0: are bad. Don't. <laughs> despite my description of them, drugs are really bad. Don't do them, sweetheart. Okay. Uh, uh,
1: in, in any case, there is one drug in there called marijuana. And to go with the story of trick-or-treating, mm. go ahead.
0: So marijuana is a... <laughs> don't laugh at me. It's a mind-altering substance. Uh, so apparently, so you can put this drug... Oh, excuse me. Put this drug in many forms. <laughs> you can smoke this drug. You can... Don't, don't, what, why are you giving him my... It,
1: I used to explain it. Don't give him a tutorial.
10: <laughs>
7: Well, this
0: is not gonna sound any better. Yes, you can make put the drugs in food. Go so, on. And can, all right, <laughs> you you can make you can get candy drugs.
1: Yes, edibles. They're known as edibles. You can you can eat this basically.
0: Because you can make like uh, you, <laughs> you don't have to explain how it gets in there. You can just tell <laughs>
1: the story of why there's drunkard or treating. Dude this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Come on, come on. You gotta do it. Hey, I know you're crying, but you gotta <laughs> do it. Come on. So what was the story that you also read on the internet?
0: <laughs> could, like people that were really high would accidentally give kids their gummy bears that were mar- marijuana gummy bears.
1: <laughs> did you slip an H in there? Ah, that's no H. <laughs> Unless you go with the Spanish Juan
0: uh, uh, pronunciation. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, South American marijuana. Uh, um, yes. So that's why there's trunker or treaters <laughs> Okay.
1: <clears throat> so, long story short, some guy got a little too high. Probably there's rumors, or maybe it's an urban legend. That it
16: has to
0: be an urban legend. That they,
1: that they slipped uh, you know, a package of gummy bears in there, and uh, this kid probably ingested, you know, the standard amount of gum- what like e here e- is about what a handful just like Oop. and he probably was contemplating life for the next couple of days.
0: Oh my goodness. I don't actually think it happened, but if it did, that would be really not funny at all. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> okay. So that was one out of three
1: factors of why <laughs> We didn't get that many trick-or-treaters. 1.5 is obviously because they opened the door and they saw you cracking up. Well, well,
0: after this podcast, we're not getting any.
1: And that were highlights from our wonderful guests for this year. We have some great guests lined up for 2018 and can't wait to get started and hope everyone enjoys. Thank you for listening. We love
11: you all.